Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 134 in Edmonton. Just before we go to George LaRock, a quick text on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Uh, the Chiseler out of Vegas, who he was a was a goalie back in the day, kind of like Herm, who texts the show once in a while as well. They both were uh, goaltenders in junior. Uh, the Chiseler says, "Bob, Kathy just texted me. Uh, she heard you're doing the show from Tampa Bay this fall. Is that true?" No, no. Uh, they do need a new play-by-play voice. Rick Peckham, their longtime uh, television play-by-play voice, has retired, but it won't be me going there. Uh, but Tampa Bay is a nice stop in the tour, I will tell you that. George LaRock joins us right now out of Montreal. George, how you doing? I'm good, Bob. How are things in Edmonton? It's, it's okay, George. It's pretty good. Hey, quick one for you, just before we get to you know the serious stuff and talk about hockey. Okay. What, what yeah. was your favorite? What were your favorite cities to go to on the road when you uh, played in the league? Uh, why is Montreal? Because all my family was from there, and, and and the reason why I say that is because often when I played out west, because at the time difference, it was too late for my family to even watch the game. They yeah. were always complaining because it's you know in, in, in the east it's two hours ahead, right? So when I came to Montreal, that's the time that that I was able to see everybody, get tickets for everybody to come and see me play, and it was mostly because of this because. You know, it, it was just awesome because you remember when I was in Edmonton, I fell in love so much with the city that in the summer I didn't, I no longer went back to Montreal. I stayed in Edmonton all year long, right? Charity stuff in the, in the summer. So because of that, I wasn't even seeing anyone at home in my own town. People were like, "George, what are you doing? Why are you staying in Edmonton?" And it's like, "I just fell in love with the city. I can't go back." So they're like, "Are you kidding me?" Because they thought most people thought that in Edmonton all you could see is. You know, like big fields of cow and and the western mall and that's it. But it was like Edmonton is much more than that. Edmonton is like uh, this, like to live there, to be embraced in the community and and the stuff that I did there, the Klondike days and all those memories that I have from there. I yeah. can go back to uh, to Montreal to do that. I just it, it was so awesome to be part of this community, to be there with the fans all year long. That that that's why I love playing Montreal because. The only time I got to spend time in my hometown was actually when we played there. So that's why, to me, it was Montreal. Well, I, I will tell you, George, and I know I've had this conversation. we got Jack Michaels on the show tomorrow. I know I've had this conversation with you off air as well. Uh, Montreal and Chicago are my two favorite cities to go to. I haven't always loved, historically speaking, the politics in Quebec, but I love the fans' passion. For- it's a religion in Montreal. They know the game. They appreciate I mean, I, you know, I, I think back to, you know, the first summer series george in 1972 and the fans cheering harlamov you know the right the yeah. soviets right because he was so good and he scored a couple of electrifying goals and i remember in 75 that came in new year's eve and he walked the canadians defense for a goal that night as well and just and, and we see it a bit you know nugent hopkins has had some big games in montreal mcdavid and drysaddle have had big games in montreal and their fans know it like when those guys have the puck for edmonton they're they they're tense too because they know these guys are special players so they got great fans the building it's it's a loud building from a broadcast perspective the press box uh 
because it's got a gondola, it's one of the best experiences in the league. I think it actually, Chicago and Montreal, for me, George, as a broadcaster, are the two best places to do now, games. Now that you're talking about Chicago, I agree with you that Chicago is also an amazing city uh, to go to, to visit, and the, the history of it. And actually, talking about Montreal, you know, the fans are really excited because because of the possibility of creating a bubble with Canadian teams, uh, yeah. guys, the, the fans here are excited to be able to see uh, Edmonton more and McDavid and Drysaddle more because of this possibility. So just when you say that they know their hockey and be able to see the best player in the world like more many times because they would be in the same division if they did that. So uh, it's a wait and see, obviously. But the, the fact that it's just a possibility, the fans here, they, they're also talking about it. Well, I got amazing fans. There's no question about that. What did you make of Mark Bergevin's move yesterday to give up a third-round draft choice, albeit the one that they got for uh, Kovalchuk, uh, a third-round draft choice to St. Louis to bring in Jake Allen? How, what's your take on that? To be honest with you, I, I was I was very surprised, and it's a really good move. First of all, we have to understand that this year, goalies are what a lot of teams need. A lot of teams or a goalie away from being a good team. So I was surprised that, I know that St. Louis wanted to unload some money, but the fact that they, they, they only got a third round pick when there's a lot of teams that could have used them, because, you know, Allen has a one year left. Any team that needs a goalie could try with one year with him to see how he's going to do, and if he does good, you give him an extension. But he's better than a lot of goalies that were number one goalies in many NHL teams this year. His numbers as a backup for Bennington was 215, uh, the average, and, and ni- like 92.7, like, save his percentage. This is really good. In the playoff, he was better than Bennington. So yeah. it's a really good signing because in the last couple of years, the backup for Montreal is what has cost them sometimes a playoff spot. You know, getting a, a $1 million goalie to fit under the cap is it, not good anymore because you need you see the best team in the NHL now, they have a really good tandem, really, really good two goalies. And next year, the season starting in December, the, the schedule is going to be more uh, condensed. And because it's going to be, what's going to happen, there's going to be more back-to-back games. So Price was good this year because he was rested. In the past, they couldn't rest him because the backup was so bad, he can stop a beach ball. So now that you have a good backup, Price, if he could play 50 games, he's going to be as good as he was in the playoffs because he'll be rested. And Montreal with Jake Allen, they, they're not going to be afraid of having a backup that's going to cost you games. You know, but the backup usually plays the easy games, that you leave the hard game to the number one goalie. So I think that if Jake Allen in the games, in the 25 games, 30 games he's going to play, he's going to have a winning record. A winning record is playing against weaker team, and that's going to give a better chance for the Canadians to make the playoffs. So I know $15 million for two goalies is a lot, but it's only for one year because it gives one year for Primo to get better in a man hockey league. To, to be the backup for Price. So one year more experience, and after one year, I'm pretty sure they're going to let uh, they're gonna let uh, Allen go. We're joined by George LaRock on uh, Treculent Thursday. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers now. George, Max Domi uh, went out and uh, hired Darren Ferris as his new agent. Uh, Ferris has Josh Anderson in Columbus, Andreas Athanasiu now in Edmonton. Those two players had very contentious negotiations uh, Athanasio with Detroit, Anderson with Columbus. I think Anderson's a stone cold mortal lock to get traded. He, Darren Ferris also represents Taylor Hall, uh, and now he has Max Domi. Is Max is Max Domi's days in Montreal? Are they numbered? Is he a strong possibility to be traded? 
Okay, there's many things on that. Okay, to start, he was with Pat Brisson before. After the season that he had 72 points, I know that Max wanted an extension. And that's when his value was at the highest. You were talking about maybe seven years, seven million a year. So right. Brisson tell him to be patient, maybe have another year, so he could be, maybe, maybe, maybe make more money. But we know that Brisson is really close with Bergevin. After the year that he's had this year, we could say that Domi lost a lot of money about the fact his agent didn't negotiate after the first year that he had 72 points. So he's lost a lot of money. So, you know, I don't know what was said between him and his agent, but I'm not surprised that after the gamble, his agent made him take, he totally changed agent. The new agent that he has is like an agent that is more aggressive. We saw what he did for Marner because he's the agent of Mitch Marner too. He's yeah. known to be aggressive and to go get a lot of money for his player because I think that Domi wants the same money that he would have had after his 72 point season and you know Domi is a really good player but because of the fact that he wants the same kind of money obviously we know in Montreal because of the cap issue for next year all the guys they have to be signed talking about P3 talking about Gallagher talking about Tatar they, they can't afford to give Domi what he wants and especially the fact that you know when they put him in the fourth line uh, in a playoff playing with with Wheel and Weiss I knew that, that they had no point of keeping Domi because to me it didn't make sense to put a guy like that that was your leader the year before with 72 points in the fourth line in the playoffs. So I know that he's gone. The one thing, though, that we're all watching now is that, you know, Patrick Laney is in the block, too. And, 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 and the Jets are, are looking to trade him because of the history with him and so many things that's happened. And yeah. we heard from, from Pierre Lebrun that one day one in exchange is a second center and a top four D-man. So the only center in a trade bait is Domi. And Domi is a damn good center. So why not, like, trading with the Jets that want a second-line center, which to me would be perfect for that, and a top-four D-man. Top-four D-man, you know, obviously because Montreal is probably not going to give back Charette. It's probably not the guy they want. They might have to sacrifice uh, Romanov, but I would do it. Romanov and Domi for Patrick Laney that is only 22 years old. You know, Montreal is looking right now for a top white winger to play in the top line to score some goal, a natural sniper that can improve their power play. So right now, that's where things are at. There's a lot of talks and rumors about the fact that, you know, they might be uh, uh, dealing with with uh, the Jets, and uh, it's, it's a wait and see because, you know, most of team that has a number one and number two center, they keep in them. But because Montreal, we could say that Domi is a number two center in any team in the NHL, I think that they have a lot of bargaining rights with him. All right, so George, I gotta then I gotta ask you here, uh, George Larocque joining us right now. Jesperi Kakaniemi played as a second line center in the playoffs, and the Canadians played Nick Suzuki as the first line center. Nick Suzuki, uh, you know, twenty slash twenty one this year. Kakaniemi nineteen slash twenty, and then they got Deneau, who's an who's an excellent third line center. Uh, and he played a lot of second-line center during the season, hit 47 points in 71 games. Are the Canadians maybe getting a little bit too aggressive themselves with counting in Nick Suzuki and just Barry Kotkaniemi at 19 and 20 years old or 20 and 21 years of age? Are they maybe getting a little ahead of themselves in throwing those guys in there on a permanent basis? Or do you think you saw enough in the playoffs to say, no, they can go ahead and, uh, and trade uh, Max Domi? And not play him, uh, you know, well, and, and move along. You tell me. See, me, I don't like the fact they're trading Max Domi because he's a gamer. The way that he plays the game, like the like the edge that he has, is something that every team needs. But I think something is broken between him and Julian, so he's done. 
And, okay. and I would have loved them to stay in Montreal, but obviously I don't see how now, now that's going to work. In terms of now the first centers in, in, in Montreal, it depends on a lot of things. Because first of all, we know that Dano, Gallagher, and Tatar, this line is going to stay. But if Montreal wants to have some success, you want that line to be not the first line like it was in the, in the, like it was in the past. You want it to be a second line. I think Suzuki is going to be the first line center, but that's why they need that top right winger that could uh, that could put uh, that could score. You know, you could, you could be set by Suzuki Drouin and, and score some goals because Montreal is really looking for a top right winger sniper, a big guy that could also go in the corner. If you get that guy, you get your first line right winger to play with Suzuki and Drouin. This is okay as a first line, but I don't see though Katkinini, even though he did good in the playoffs. And the reason why we say he did good is because he wasn't a minor last year, so nobody expected anything from him. We saw some good flash in the playoffs, but I see him more as a third-line center for this year. I think okay. he'll emerge eventually as a second-line center. But for now, I see Dano still being a second with Tatar and, and Gallagher, and Katkenemi being a third-line center. And eventually, not this year, but maybe in two years, be a second-line center. But I see Suzuki could fulfill the spot of being a first-line center if we give him the tools to play with. Because, you know, that's what they're building their team around and stuff. And But the only thing is, is that what are they going to do with with Petrie that, that, that now we know that they have to resign him? Uh, Gallagher, do you really want to give him a long-term contract extension? He's the hardest hold of that team, but the way that he plays, if you give him a seven-year contract, you know, he, I don't know if his health is going to permit him to play that style for another seven years. So there's a lot of questions that, that, that they, they have to answer because what they're going to have to do with this money, they're going to have to be really precise because they try to win now. Molson said that he believes the core of the team that they have now, they're there. And they're really close to being a really good competitive team for years to come. So Bergeron is going for it now. Uh, they're not rebuilding. They have to have piece of the puzzle to compete next year, not just making the playoffs, but, you know, go far. And the one thing that Montreal has to be careful is this playoff was particular. It was because of COVID, a lot of things were different. Yep. So I think a lot of people are blinded by the success the Canadian has because even though they beat Pittsburgh and almost the Flyers, it doesn't guarantee that next year they're going to be making the playoffs. So you, teams cannot be blind by what just happened because, you know, teams in an 82-game season, making the playoff that way and playing the playoff, it's not the same as coming to playoff in the back door and having anything to lose and playing in it. So we'll see what Bergeron is going to do. There's a lot of pressure on him because more than ever this year, I think he's going to have the pressure to make the playoff. Otherwise, he could uh, start uh, feeling the hot water. All right, George, final question for George LaRock, Edmonton Sporting Icon. It involves the Tampa Bay Lightning and Steven Stamkos. George, are you surprised? The Lightning have looked as good as they have, given the fact that they haven't had their top sniper in the lineup. You know, uh, I'm very surprised because I look at that team for for many years with all the talent on that team. You always wonder why they can't win. And then what they did in the summer, like last year, is that they had some grit, like Maroon, like Coleman. And those guys had a big say so far in the playoff. It made a huge difference. And you look at that, this team has changed. This team now, you look at the way that they, they played now, they're roughing guys up, they're playing physical, they're not backing out. Look at Kucherov, he went to hit Chara, he wasn't afraid. And it's, you know, Tampa Bay's big, like, top player. When you see a top player do that, you know, it, you know, it goes through the ball bench. It, it's, I've never seen Tampa playing playoff hockey before. Before, they were playing like, 
high-skill hockey because of all the talent they have. Now they're playing a lot of hockey. They're not intimidated, and they're playing really, really good hockey. They're not the same team, and that's the team that that if they played like that before, this team should have had one or two cups by then with all the talent of that team. So now they're playing way better. I can't wait to see what's going to happen uh, with them in, 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 in the playoff because I think the team to beat is Vegas because, you know, that team has everything, grit, yeah. skill, skills, and everything. But uh, Tampa, it also could be their years. I, I can't wait to see that. George Sparky Kev has texted the show to say, George LaRock makes me proud to be an Albertan. There you go. They, they love you, George. Thanks for joining us on Oilers Now. Uh, that's awesome. I love you all, you fans. Uh, you guys were the best in the NHL. There you go. That's George. Hey, George, we'll look up next week, okay? Okay, bro. See you later. That's George uh, LaRock. 150 in Edmonton. We will tell you the best pizza in the city. Still making it great. Royal Pizza. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Pizza, pasta, and so much more. Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. And they're all dying in right now. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Royal Pizza, where the stopper recommendation. Ah, it's a Thursday. We'll go with the meat lovers today. We'll come back with this day in Oilers history when we return on Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Into the Ashley Fine Flores text line at 152. Herm, who uh, worked in the hockey business, he's an old player himself, said this to say we, we're talking to Louis DeBrusque and Brian Burke a bit about Tampa Bay and some of the advantageous situations. And Herm has texted the show to say, Bob, experience going from Flin Flon, where he played junior, to Tampa and St. Petersburg was great. Minus 30 to plus 30, going to the rink and get into your sweaty underwear, uh, to getting into your shorts and heading to sandy white beaches. Best place in the world to play hockey. Old days in the East Coast League. Now that was tough hockey in 72, 73, 74. Tax, weather, no pressure, and crazy passionate fans. That one comes to us from Herm, who spent years um, uh, working in the Western Hockey League as well. And when he was in Flin Flon, a couple of star players, this was after the Bobby Clark, Reggie Leach era in Flin Flon, uh, but Blaine Stoughton, who was once part, let's see if Brendan remembers this. I brought this up once before. Brendan, you know the name of the line that uh, Blaine Stoughton played on in Hartford with the Whalers when Blaine Stoughton tied for the NHL goal scoring lead? <laughs> no, I do not. It, it was it was about ten years before you were born. Uh, so the line consisted of um, Mike Rogers, who played briefly for the Oilers, uh, did color in Calgary for a couple decades. Mike Rogers, who was at center, uh, Pat Boutet. And Blaine Stoughton. And the line was Dash, Bash, and Stash. Uh, Dash was Mike Rogers. He was a fleet-footed center. Bash was Pat Boutet. And Stash, and I'm not sure if it was Stash because he could stash the puck in the net or Stash because he had like a Tom Selleck mustache uh, back in the day. Blaine Stoughton. So there you go. And uh, Blaine Stoughton and Gene Carr was another star. And there are some people that believe um, the Eagles song, The New Kid in Town, was actually written about Gene Carr, who suffered an injury and sort of derailed his NHL career. But he was a promising player. He came out of Flin Flon as well. To this day in Oilers history. Back in the 630 Chad Studios, here's Brendan Escott. 
All right, back in 1987, I know Bob tweeted this one out. Uh, 10-time, 20-goal scorer James Neal is born in Whitby, Ontario. Uh, I see I didn't update the stats from last year's uh, last year's initial draft of this. Uh, but he did appear in back-to-back Stanley Cup finals with Nashville and then Vegas in 2017-18. And then the Oilers, of course, acquired him on July 19th of last year from Calgary for Milan Lucic. So he got 19 goals, uh, missed 16 games of the lower body issue and then didn't get a chance to finish the season with the pandemic and let's face it the way the league ruled on it against Edmonton had to give up a third and my guess it'll be a third in the 2021 NHL draft I guess they're assuming that he would have ended up uh, getting to uh, 20 goals this season. He scored 12 in the power play, uh, which was sixth in the National Hockey League this year. Drysaddle was second, by the way. 16 power play goals. Reed Wilkins has inside sports tonight, and he's stuck and couldn't get any better, anybody better, so I'll be joining him. Who else does he have? You will hear from former NHL enforcer Matt Cassian to talk about the Canada Life Cup in support of Hockey Helps the Homeless, and Colorado Avalanche play-by-play voice Connor McGahee. And uh, tomorrow, jam-packed show for you. Uh, we will have Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey and Rogers for our friends at the River Cree Resort and Casino. Edmonton Oil Kings General Manager Kurt Hill will join us on the Friday edition of Oilers Now. And uh, to close out the week like he has for the last four months, Jack Michaels, uh, my radio broadcast partner on the Oilers Radio Network. Coming up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by 6.30 Chit Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Thank you for participating in Treculent Thursday with our regular guests, Louis DeBras, Brian Burke, and George LaRock. So long, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.